your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Asian Pop Nation, which is a show that I like to call the Sins Resident Asian Music and Culture Show. But you know, you can be the judge of that. My name is Lisha, the executive producer of APN. And before we have our little chit chat session here, let's talk to you the first two songs that we played on our show. So firstly, we played the latest comeback track to come out of the Korean male group Stray Kids with their new song titled Case 143. And if you don't know, 143 kind of stands for the letters of I love you. So very cute, very adorable indeed. And this song actually comes from their new EP titled Maxi Dent. And for some of our stays, which you don't know are the fandom name of Stray Kids, I hope that you guys managed to snatch some of the tickets for the Stray Kids concert that's happening in Australia next year. And if you're still on the hunt, I wish you the best of luck. Now, moving along from that, we then played the song titled Blah Blah Blah, which comes from another Korean group. This time it's by Itzy, but this song is not actually sung in Korean as this is their Japanese single. Some of you guys may know they released another song titled Voltage, which is another Japanese single. Well, this time they're back with, once again, the song titled Blah Blah Blah. Now, I spent a while talking about the music that we just played just now on our show, but do not worry, you will not only be hearing myself, Lisha Hugh, tonight, but our APN team tonight of Alishba, JP, Ethan, Zenia, Tracy, and Lee, where we're going to be coming together to talk about more music. Well, surprise, as we're actually going to be talking about a new album that just recently came out this month. Yes, we are going to be talking about the Silgi album titled 28 Reasons later in the show, so be sure to stay tuned. But we also have some really exciting topics that we're going to be coming together to talk about, such as a robot that has been programmed to laugh along to your responses. It, it's a bit of an interesting one. But yeah, it's a very, very stacked show tonight. So I hope you guys are really excited to stay tuned to hear our whole team talk about all these topics. But of course, to hear about all these songs that we're going to be playing tonight. And speaking of the songs, we're about to get back to them right now. So now we're going to be playing the song titled Eye of the Typhoon, which comes from this Korean band called Peppertones. And the song is actually from their new LP titled Thousand Years. So stream it, listen to it, but also stay tuned right here on Asian Pop Nation. Hey everybody, welcome aboard to the Asian Pop Nation train right here on Sin. We just made a nice little stopover after playing these three really fun tracks on our show. Starting first with the song title Eye of the Typhoon, which comes from the band Pepper Tones. And if you didn't know, this comes from a new LP titled Thousand Years. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Someday in the 21st Century by the Korean band Lucy, which is a dear band that was loved by one of our former APNT members, Celeste. Oh my god, shout out to Celeste, by the way. Very, very fun fact, this song is actually a cover of the Peppertone song from their 2012 album Beginner's Luck. And if you're wondering about why this cute little mashup kind of happened. Well, this is actually part of a series called Recorded, where junior musicians cover well-known songs by Korean indie artists. So very, very fun fact right there. And if you're interested in that, definitely do check it out online for sure. 
And lastly, we then played a Japanese track this time with the song titled Music by Odd Food Works, which comes from their new LP titled Masterwork. And I think that song title is a perfect segue to lead into the fact that we're now approaching the part of our show where we're going to be diving deep into this very, very specific album that just came out. I cannot lie. That I'm a bit biased about this album because it comes from a member of probably my favorite Korean group to ever exist in the industry. Yes, we're gonna be talking about Red Velvet, but specifically Silgi from Red Velvet as she has just come out with her first solo album titled 28 Reasons. And actually, a whole bunch of our team members took the time to listen to this album. And now we're gonna be coming together to discuss it as a whole little group together. So, Let's jump into the conversation right now. So every once in a blue moon, we at APN like to do an album review. We are all coming in together and speaking to you guys about an album review because a bunch of us have actually listened to the latest album to come from the Red Velvet number Sulgi with her new album titled 28 Reasons. So this is her debut mini album and it was released on the 4th of October and essentially it features six tracks including the promoted single of the same name 28 Reasons. Silky is one of the members of Red Velvet. She's considered a lead vocalist and main dancer of the group. Basically so it means she's best dancer and at least second best singer. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Tracy. That is what her main role is in Red Velvet. She is also one of the really, really popular members of Red Velvet, so her solo debut was very highly anticipated. Just huh. in terms of like people who do not know Red Velvet at all, what do you think sets them apart from other groups? What's their main concept? I think Red Velvet themselves would describe their music tastes as like, oh, uh, they can do like the bright, cutesy bubblegum concept as well as like the hard you know, bad boy aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. So they often talk about how they can do different styles of music. Um, I know a lot of groups say that, but well, in my opinion, they were one of the first few that, you know, relied on that concept. And I think they do that really well because some of their summer hits are absolute bangers and the darker concepts are also absolute bangers. So I think they really do lend themselves to that concept. Mm-hmm. And I guess in quote-unquote easy way to be able to differentiate between when they hit those two specific styles is a lot of fans call oh the red concept in red velvet red is like their fun again summer bops and stuff like that and the velvet is their more sultry sexy bad boy type of thing that's how these things differentiate but again this is not about red velvet this is primarily about Sogi's album she is the third member of red velvet to receive a solo debut after joy and wendy who did debut last year with their eps hello and like water don't know why i say water like that and she was actually previously active in a subunit with irene who is a member of red velvet as well she's the leader of the group and they debuted it as a duo back in 2020 with the ep monster and these single not hey <laughs> but yes um besides me saying all these names really oddly it's time for us to get to the meat of it which is our thoughts of the album but as the way k-pop works we gotta go to the title track first again called 28 reasons and what do people think about the title track in general 
I want to say that 28 Reasons sounds to me more like a continuation of the Sugi and Irene subunit sort of sound. Well, specifically their song Monster, like their title track songs, not so much their B-sides. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like dark. The word I'd like to use for this song specifically is vampiric. It just sounds very theatrical. And I really liked it upon first listen, apart from one part, but we'll get to that later. But at first listen, I was just like really surprised at how good it was. And I've definitely been looping it this whole week. I really like the music video. It was like really, really cool. Like I like the song too, but I feel like I like the music video too and the way they acted and stuff. And even in the end, they like give you like a paragraph of the concept and how it was. So I think it was really cool. Even the outfits. So the concept of the music video is that, if I recall correctly, it's something like, oh, there is good and evil um, that exists between one person and one person has the capacity to do both. And so in the music video, it's kind of like two versions of Sulgi where she's like, one's good and one's evil and they kind of like fight each other or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought the music video. JP, get off the stage. <laughs> Sorry, I'm listening to it right now. It's really good. Yeah, what do you think about it, JP? Yeah, that first track, dude, that bass is like deep. It's like I'm wearing headphones right now and it's like boom. Like, I can feel my whole body reverberating to it. It's like, it's good. It's yeah. just as Tracy said. It starts with this very dry, very bassy sort of verse. Like, it has this very dry bass line. That's the word, bass line. That is very minimalist, almost Billie Eilish sounding sort of mm-hmm. bass line. Um, and then the chorus itself has these, it's very dramatic, has all these strings behind it. Um, and it's very melodic. And it really makes use of Sulgi's voice because she's a great singer, obviously. And she really suits this type of very theatrical sort of melody. There is one part of the song which I am not a huge fan of and that Leisha is not a huge fan of, and that is the spoken word bridge. The bridge goes, you're in danger, but it's okay. You're a grown-up. Okay, so that's the bridge according to Genius.com. I think I've gotten used to this bridge, but the first time I heard it, it sent shivers down my back in like a in a bad cringe way. And it's really sad because like usually Red Velvet songs, you're like, you look forward to the bridges the most. They have some crazy gospel harmony modulation or something. But this one is just like spoken word. I guess it's kind of minimal, right? Because the course the choruses are so full and sumptuous. You want the, the bridge to be something contrasting. But I think if I didn't understand English, it would be so banger. It would maybe perhaps even slay. But because I understand English, it does not slay. What is the Red Velvet title track if not for a spoken section? Yeah. You need a spoken section <laughs> in a Red Velvet. <laughs> I'm just like, you talking about that bridge section. It's just so interesting to me because when I was reading the lyrics with the music, I was like, okay, you know, she's saying things that are not clicking, but you know, that part also like threw me off a bit. But what threw me off the most was the freaking beginning of the song where she's the immediately starts the song with just, I kiss your brother. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. Really Eilish line as well. That was so, that was like, that got me more than the bridge. Even when I play it now, and I again, like Tracy, I've looped it on end, that part still like gets me. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, Sophie, what are you saying? Yeah, that, that's the one that gets to me more than the bridge. I don't know if you guys feel like this, but there are cool ideas in the song, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it like meshes well. Like there's a section in the second verse where she's got like a vocal fry, like a growl section, which I thought was really cool, but it was just kind of random. Like there are a lot of things in the song, personally, that were like really cool ideas on their own, especially like the bridge as well, like what you're talking about. 
it's just a lot of these ideas that I don't know if they work together, even though tonally they might be kind of consistent. I don't know. I'm not very good at reviewing music. I just feel like my ears have been blessed here on Asian Pop Nation as we just played back-to-back songs that all came from the one and only Sogi from Red Velvet. If you don't know why exactly we've been playing all of her songs, don't worry. I will catch up with you guys a little bit later. But first, let's talk through the exact songs that we played just now. So firstly, we played the song title 28 Reasons, which is the title track to come out of Sugi. And moving on from that, we started to play some B-sides from the album. Firstly, with this song titled Bad Boy, Sad Girl, which is also by Sugi featuring the Korean rapper B.O. And lastly, from that, we then played the song titled Anywhere But Home, also by Sugi. No surprise here. So if you're just tuning into our show right now on Asia Pop Nation, welcome to our show. You are just tuning in as we're actually coming in all together as a team to talk about the latest Sogi album titled 28 Reasons, since this is her first solo album and some of our Avian team members like myself, are pretty big Red Velvet fans, and we just wanted to throw in some of our two cents about this album. And actually, we're going to be cutting right back into some more of our thoughts in regards to the 28 Reasons album, so let's cut to the conversation right now. I think it's a good way to lead into the album discussion because some of these songs, I think, gel well with the vibe of this first song, but some of them are just like, I can kind of see what they were going for here, but... It, it doesn't really work as well. So as a whole album experience, there are some songs that work really, really well. I want to say Dead Man Running right after 28 Reasons flows in really nicely, has a very similar vibe. And then the song immediately after is Bad Boy, Sad Girl featuring B.O. This song is actually Xenia's favourite on the album, which... No, I kind of like 28 Reasons a bit more than Bad Boy, Sad Girl. But yeah, I, I like that one next. Or maybe anywhere but home. I've been re-listening. I'm just trying to yeah, like decipher it. my thoughts. <laughs> I like anywhere but home as well. Yeah, I like anywhere but home. As well. I, I also. And Los Angeles is pretty good too. Oh yeah, my favorite is anywhere but home as well. But that boy, sad girl featuring Bo. Is that how you say his name? Um, Zenia, I'm gonna have to come at you because that's probably one of my least favorite songs in the album. <laughs> Yeah, I just so I was going for a dramatic effect. My apologies, um, but also not so dramatic effect because what Tracy wrote, I also agree in the run sheet because I also do think it is a bit of an outlier, as quoted by Tracy in the album <laughs> in, in the British accent. Yeah, I don't know what. Sorry, Tracy, you're British now. Um, but yes, to me, the song okay. I actually really like the song on its own. I do not like it's the not rap in the feature. Context. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that yeah. One, I guess in the context of the album, it's a bit like, oh, a bit off. But two, my main gripe with it is just I don't like the rap feature at all. Oh, this guy, VO, whoever you are, you're, I'm not gonna say hitless. You're on my, um, I'm I'm, keep, I'm keeping an eye on you, watchful eye, because I this this one he's on the he's on the icky list. Icky list, yes, exactly. For now, because of what he's done, this crime that he's done to this song. Because I really do like the song. I think Sugi's voice sounds so so beautiful in um Bad Boy Sad Girl, and then Mr. Bo shows up, does his rap, sings along with her, and I'm like, 
okay, now I don't like this song too much. I'm not saying she shouldn't have a feature. I think if we, like having a feature in a debut mini album, nice, nice idea. Just not this guy. That's my piece. I think it's not really a feature. It's more like a duet, which is interesting because most SM features are like they come in, they like parachuted in from another universe in a different, like recording a completely different room sound wise. Um, and they just sort of dropped in for a verse and then they just get helicoptered out immediately, just in and out. But here he's actually kind of like it's a duet and he's kind of interwoven into the song. It's his sung feature, really. He he just sings with his rap voice. He's not really rapping. Uh, but it's a kind of sweet um, cafe song, I would say, like a cafe R&B song. But um, on this album, it's really weird because the other songs are very, to me, like nighttime songs. But Bad Boy Sad Girl is such a daytime song. And so it's this weird thing where it's like dark and theatrical and then suddenly the lights turn on for one song and you're like blinking. The vibes continue like that song never happened so it's i don't know it's a bit of an outlier for me but it's not a terrible song and even with a different feature i think it would be like fine on like a red velvet album but yeah anywhere by home is definitely my favorite it reminds me of like um r&b artists like hoodie so the more indie side of korean r&b some people on the internet have pointed out though that it sounds like american boy by a cell featuring kanye west lee what's that um what's that fortnite song the chug jug yeah yeah that one yeah okay. i <laughs> cannot believe you're bringing up fortnite in the Sogi album review yeah, could this album yeah. be untainted by fortnite <laughs> well, i mean i just wanted to mention but anyway continue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes continue off of that yeah. topic yeah. seamlessly yeah, continuing off um, that thing you were saying, Ethan, before about how like there's a lot of good ideas in 28 Reasons, the song, but it doesn't, like it's a bit odd, like it's not quite fully seamlessly integrated. I feel like part of the reason is that SM is still trying to find what they want Sugi's like soloist image to be. And so they're sort of experimenting with this Sugi and Irene subunit like sexy vampire concept. But at the same time, Sugi's like personal image like she does a lot of ads and she's like a well-known sort of celebrity-ish figure. She's kind of just like kind of tomboyish and really like kind of chill and like really cool and kind of sweet. And that that's completely different to her performer image. So I guess it'll be interesting to see what sort of direction they want to pull her in. Obviously, um, SM has this whole thing where you have people like Kai, like Taemin, who are, they're known outside of like their performances as being like very sweet and their performance identities are like completely different. Leisha is having some sort of... Well, sorry, <laughs> I just wasn't expecting you mentioning like all these names in one go, all Sugi, Kai, Taemin, the love of my lives. It was a bit hard-hitting, but yes, I do agree with everything you just said. Now, I wonder if that's um, just a function of Sulgi's own creative um, like influences, because I know Sulgi is a big fan of Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that was a big reason why 28 Reasons sounds the way it is. I think that could potentially be. Because when I heard that they were doing a Sulgi solo, I thought it would be more along the lines of like the collab she did with Bam Bam. Um, it was Who Are You? Um, I thought it would be something like that or um, Uncover, which she did as a solo during her duo with Irene. I thought it would be that kind of um, like a dance focused, but I thought it would be something similar to that, which is why I think the Billie Eilish route was a bit, yeah, surprising, I guess. But I, either way, I mean, it's good that the idols have creative 
influence over their work. So I'm happy about that either way. We don't know how much influence she got, but enough influence for it to be pretty cohesive, like front to back, apart from that one BA featuring song. And obviously, SM releases a lot of um, solo releases, but the ones which work out the best are the ones where the artist has a pretty clear musical direction. Like earlier this year, the release from Key was really strong because Key has a really good artistic direction. But you've also had a lot of releases recently from like EXO members, and it's kind of interesting to see like which EXO members release songs that sound like EXO songs and which EXO members release songs that do not sound at all like EXO songs. Um, in terms of the Red Velvet solos, though, I don't think any of them really fully sound like Red Velvet songs. They all sound quite unique in their own way, which is, yeah, I guess um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they take from here. You see, um, to tell you the truth, I've never listened to this album until you guys started recording. And I've been listening to the album throughout the whole thing. It's good. I like it. I like it. Um, I can't believe I don't listen to K-pop, but I think I will now. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Whoa. Wait, wait, JP. You, you heard it here, folks. No first, taking back. First time on APN. JP admits <laughs> I like K-pop. <laughs> I've converted. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, That's crazy. It was, it's a nice journey. I'm I'm on the last song right now. I haven't finished it, but yeah, it's Crown, and so um, there's a big grandiose energy to it that um I really enjoy. So far, um, I'm about how many minutes into this song? I'm one minute, two minutes into this song, and uh, I think it's a good way to top it off. Yeah, just uh with a bang, boom, Crown. Let's get Silgi on the show. <laughs> I wish I. Even if we did, I would not exist anymore. I would actually just <laughs> like you guys. Oh, Ethan and myself, it's it's the revelation. I I will not exist anymore. I actually can't even even thinking about it. My brain stresses me out. Like, that <laughs> happens, but you know, in my dreams. Oh my god, Red Velvet in my dreams. Such a good song. Anyways. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it, guys. Um, if you have any thoughts about the Sylvia, um, please contact us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. Hello, hello, everyone. You are tuning into Asian Pop Nation and hearing my voice right here, Leisha. Hi, that's my name. And you're going to hear my voice right now as we are going to be talking about some songs that we played just now on our show. Starting first with the song titled Brand New, which is a song to come out of Schumann, who is a member from EXO. And fun fact, this is actually his debut solo and it comes with an EP, which is also titled Brand New. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Sugar Coat, which comes from the Korean male group AB6. And this also comes from a new EP titled Take a Chance. So we've got a whole lot of EPs that you guys can take notes and have a listen to. And moving along from that, we lastly played a song titled Wake Up, Bracket School of Rock, which comes from the Korean female soloist Coco Na. And I just want to say that this song in particular, oof, just puts me in such a good mood. It's just a really nice R&B, almost jazzy-esque track. So I really like it in particular. So it's very awkward that now I'm going to be talking about something that I really like to now transitioning into a specific conversation that our team is going to have about it topic that I don't like as much and you'll find out very very quickly dear listener as we're going to be talking about not one but two NFT controversies that have occurred within the past couple of weeks or so one involving a really really popular manga artist Junji Ito and another one involving a really really popular Korean girl group Espa it's 
a double whammy and I don't know how to react to either one of these. So you're just going to have to listen to this conversation right now and form your own opinions about this whole situation. So we have uh, tonight a very, very spooky segment. We're going to talk a little bit about Junji Ito, but we're also going to talk a little bit about Aespa. You might be wondering why we're doing it, uh, but before we get to that, let me just uh, do my little intro, will you? Okay, Junji Ito. If you don't know who Junji Ito is, he is a very prolific horror manga author. Um, He made stories such as Uzumaki. Uh, That story is about a town where everyone is obsessed with spirals, and it spirals out of control. It's very funny. Um, And he's the author of countless other horror stories. He's very well-known, very famous. However, the scariest thing that he's done lately is that he has started an NFT series. Cue the shocked gasps. <gasps> Thank you, Alicia. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this NFT series, it's going to be centered around one of his manga series called Tomie. I have not read it, but all I do know is that it has a pretty lady who is also like kind of scary. I haven't read it, um, so I wouldn't know. But I think uh, she has like two faces. Because yeah, they're... that's yeah. right. Mm, she's got like two faces. Have you read it, Alicia? No, but I've seen a lot of, like, I was very tempted to buy it because I saw it in the library, but I still haven't read it yet. Oh, right. Well, I think it's about time that we read it. So, you know, yes. get in on that NFT uh, gold. But <laughs> anyway, um, I think in terms of actual details, that's pretty much the furthest we know. He's making an NFT series on Tomie. Most of the images will consist of manga panels from the manga series Tomie. And uh, if you look at Twitter, of course, most people are butthurt and seething. You can, you can feel their anger seeping through the screen. Um, a lot of people speculate that uh, Junji Ito's management team might have actually been fooled into going into like the NFT sort of market. Because most of them, or perhaps a good amount of people, believe that Junji Ito probably doesn't even know what an NFT is. Um, if you've seen interviews of Junji Ito... Uh, you will quickly come to learn that he is a very, very innocent man. Uh, if you search it up carefully, you will find a video of Junji Ito with a cat. Uh, you know, one of those cat ear uh, headbands. That you can find a video of him in that, doing like a little cat dance by the request of the video producers. So, that's the Junji Ito side of the NFT thing. Lisha, did you see a picture? I, I did search up the picture of the cat ears as you were explaining. Yeah. And um, yes, I look at that man's face and be like, how could you make an NFT? Yeah, he's such, a, he's such a, he's an innocent man, you know? Like, there. <laughs> innocent bit, man who loves he's, his he's cat a, ears. He's a very innocent, gentle, you know, sort of guy. Like, there's a video of him where he rates like really scary monsters. Like, people send in like, you know, horror art that they've made and he kind of judges them and he just looks at them and goes, ooh. That's very scary. Oh, so this ne. Oh, quite this ne. That like he talks like that. He's a he's pretty soft spoken. So that's at least th- there's a nice thing about that. But anyway, that's the Junji Ito side of the NFTs. What about Aespa? Lisha, I know that you know what Aespa is. Uh, but could you explain what the backle is here? Well, which if you don't know, they are a four member Korean go group. They are quite recent into the K-pop scene, but. They definitely have made a very strong presence primarily for their concept that they go with. It's a bit different, I'll say, from your most typical concepts of group debut. And that's that. They have virtual avatars called eyes. Each member has their own eye. Um, They 
show up every once in a while in their music videos. Actually, they show up in all of their music videos. And they are, I would say, um, their company, just SM Entertainment, uh, frequently tries to make them like an active part of if you want to get into ESPA as a girl group, you also need to get into the ESPA quote-unquote lore, which has to do with the virtual girls and everything. So that's just a little bit of context to our listeners and some of our team members here who uh, may be confused with ESPA. Um, and now to the meat of it, which is they're also launching an NFT collection. <laughs> I, hey, hate it. I mean, oh no. I hate it here. <laughs> but they're <laughs> launching an NFT collection with this artist named Blake Catherine. And essentially, the collection is being called the I Girls in reference to their virtual counterparts called Eyes. And apparently they're doing they're doing like three drops or just at least dropping in three parts. Um, so this is a uh, I guess you want to say well-organized type of NFT business, which don't know how happy I am about that. Um, the first part is apparently an open edition. So um, I'm just reading things out, but again, I'm not an NFT expert, so I don't know what these things mean. Um, can be minted an unlimited number of times. Wow. And the second edition is a 32 limited edition piece of ESPA members recording and signatures. Wow. And the third collection is called Dream Space, which this one is, I would say, the most interesting one because they kind of go all out. You get a virtual meet and greet with Espa and Blake Catherine, the artist. And apparently, also, you may have a chance to have an all expanse trip to Seoul to meet Espa and to attend one of their concerts. So that part is probably the most like craziest part for me. Um, and to think this all stemmed from NFTs of all places. But I would say in comparison to Junji Ito, um, like the fan reactions that JP mentioned earlier, of course, with the SBO one, majority of people are upset. But it also comes with the fact of most people being like, oh, I'm not surprised because it goes with the lore because of their virtual avatars and stuff. So that's like the slight difference. But I mean, I didn't know too, but I searched it up. Like, why is it bad? It turns out it has like, it like produce a lot of carbon stuff. So it's like bad for the environment. Yeah. But I kind of feel like sm is like kind of making a, a trend and i feel like the thing that we should more be afraid of that other k-pop group would be trying to like copy it because i know i don't know what the name of the group is but there's also one another group that has one member that is like fully digital right yeah i've heard of them but i don't know their name. and like he gets a center position and then he danced with every single like member and stuff and yeah like people are making fun like imagine training for years and then losing the center position with like animation so yeah sorry oh, bad yeah. we talked about him in our past segment i think i believe so yes back in the past season we did talk about Sejin. why do i remember the ai name ew ew oh. ew I, okay maybe i'll just give like two percent props to sm because they know where the fans like they know the fans will go crazy about like oh i can get exclusive like recordings and, and whatever of the members and oh i could potentially get an expense trip to seoul south korea but gosh true nfts are you kidding me why is this the reality of our world why are we here <laughs> the thing about people like saying oh props to sm for like profiting off of their delusional fans a that's very late stage capitalism b you know, there's. It, it's not the first time K-pop companies have tried selling NFTs. Um, we already talked about um, Dreamcatcher's NFTs, and we all thought it was a terrible idea. Um, the fans really didn't like it as well because not only was it an NFT, it was a really, really ugly NFT. Um, I think with Esper, at least, the art is not as ugly, but it is still an NFT, which makes it uglier than it would be if I'd just seen it on Tumblr or Twitter. Anyway, if you guys want our APN NFTs, you can hit us up and we'll send them to you. Right, that's okay. right. Facebook. Where can they? 
Do it again, please. Just kidding. Yeah. No, we're not doing NFTs. No, we're not doing it. As no, EP, I'm making the stance. We are never doing NFTs. That's such a brave stance, Leisha. Yeah, yeah I know. Right yeah. after I I called after I called JP Shore and a minion, this is my redemption arc. No NFTs. No. Really brave for someone with one season left. <laughs> Your yeah. reign is short-lived, Leisha. The minions will rise up. And then the said minions will be making NFTs and then APN is doomed to fail forever because of our NFT. I got my yellow jacket on. I'm really on it. I'm on the NFT grind right now. Yeah. Lean! APN. Right, she's got it. <laughs> no, please, dear right. listeners. <laughs> Yes, dear listeners, I guess let us know what you think about this whole NFT nonsense. Okay, maybe I should be using nonsense because I'm already projecting my own opinion, but let's be real, NFTs are kind of terrible. But, but, but that's just my personal opinion. We would love to hear your own thoughts about this whole NFT situation with Junji Ito and Espa. Share on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Nation. Hello, hello, dear listeners here on Asian Pop Nation. It's Leisha here, and I'm going to fill you in on all the songs that you heard just now on our show, starting first with the song titled Cure by the Korean band Do Rose, which comes from our new LP titled Heal. And very, very fun fact, this song is actually the first album since all the Korean members have finished enlistment. So I'm sure this album holds a little bit of a sentimental value to some of their fans who may also be tuning into our show right now. So that song was for you right there. But moving along from that, we then played the song titled Can I Call You Now, which comes from Joycelyn940 and Kiri, who are both Taiwanese artists. And lastly from that, we then played the song titled Eye to Eye, which comes from this Korean female group titled Lime Light, which, fun fact, is a brand new girl group that has just debuted into the scene. So definitely very exciting to hear some brand new music from a brand new girl group. Now, now, moving along from that, we are now going to be talking about a, I would say, brand new invention that has hit his waves around the internet. And us at APN have recently discovered that there is a robot which has been invented in Japan, which has been created for a very, very specific reason and fits into a very, very specific niche. And what do I mean exactly by that? It's an interesting invention for sure. We're definitely entering into some odd technology conversations here on APN. So definitely tune in to hear some of our thoughts in regards to this new invention right now. You guys like rose? Do you guys like boats? Well, if you put oh those two God. words together, it makes a rowboat. We're not talking about rowboats today. We're talking about robots. Oh my God. Come on, that was pretty good. Okay, but anyway. Dude, that slayed, to be honest. It did slay. Alicia's yeah, just, uh, she's just bitter. Uh, anyway, main agenda for today, Kyoto University. They did a good deal of research there, and um, recently they actually held a demonstration for one of their <laughs> latest projects, which was a humanoid conversation robot. So it's actually not new, um, this sort of thing. They have made conversation robots um, before, like to respond to people as you talk. However, this particular robot is very unique in that it actually laughs, and it laughs very naturally. Um, depending on what you say. So how they actually went about making this, they fed about 82 sample conversations to the AI. And through that, the AI actually became capable of recognizing and replicating laughter. So if you were to talk with it, 
the robot would actually laugh back with you if you left and it would even like try to match the volume and intensity of its laugh depending on like the tone of the conversation so for example it would say uh, things like you know aha that's nice or oh is that so or oh that's wonderful except in japanese of course because this is uh from kyoto university which comes from japan but hey yes they released a video of the actual demo and it was showcasing you know how it worked it was like technologically this is very impressive like just to be able to make an ai that responds to human conversation like that you know that's like you know a plus that's a feat to be i guess you know acknowledged however um we must not also forget the fact that it is very 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 creepy um they made the, they made the robot quite realistic looking like it has realistic features but in terms of its actual expression it's very stony um it's very still you can tell it's not like a human so it's, it's very uncanny um, lots of people, they're quite scared of this. Some of the comments they read, uh, for example, oh, there's something very scary about it. Or uh, the voice is nice, but the visuals. Uh, and one person even remarks that a faked empathy and kindness are uh, sort of terrifying. Well, I mean, of course, it's typical, typical responses for something like this. It's not new. However, the reason that uh, the researchers actually worked on a project like this was to actually aid with the, Jap with the Japanese uh, aging population so if you're out of the loop um you would know that um as the years have gone by japanese families have sort of been getting smaller and at the same time the lifespan has been increasing so people are living longer and uh at the same time and because of those factors um you usually find that japanese seniors uh end up living alone um quite often and so the researchers seeing this they hoped to um at least in some way tend to this issue like to at least make a robot or something that japanese seniors could talk to um at least to, how do you say it? At least to tend to like their emotional needs, um, the cognitive needs as well. Cause, you know, of course, you need to talk to people to stay active. Um, so yeah, I just think that this robot, this video of the robot, I've said this before, but it's like a perfect um, depiction of what it's like to work in a service job, like yeah. a customer-facing service yeah. job, like the yes. call center or a, a makeup store or a post office. <laughs> A thousand percent i can agree as somebody who does work in retail this is this is kind of just how i am on a day-to-day -day work basis but in robot form whether that will actually help with the aging population in japan that's my big question mark like i know jp gave a whole explanation about it but i still do not see how the two correlate together like we have an aging population okay let's get a funny haha robot into the business and <laughs> everything really? well i mean like if you if you uh sort of make it like a compact product in some way like in my mind like the easiest way to do this would be to like make it smaller and also make it more of like a cute character um like with simple expressions i know japan they already have um robots with i'd say their faces are a screen right and then the faces that pop up they're more like cartoony in a way so it kind of avoids the uncanny valley effect. So I think that's like the best way to do it. But in terms of like actual effect, the only way I can see this being is like as a band-aid for the problem, you know? You know this is a genuine question. How long do you think it'll be before people start packaging AI as like a form of remedying loneliness in society? Dude, it's already happening. Oh my god, really? It's already happening. Yeah. There's um there's an AI chat thing you can find. And basically if you talk to it, it talks back to you like a normal person um oh but i'm talking like real like like blade runner 2049 this x mark kind of stuff you mean like in a robot sort of thing kind of yeah yeah no it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and it's not long it's not long. maybe like in our lifetimes i honestly think probably in our lifetimes yeah like at least by the end of our lifetimes you know it's already happening in chat rooms you know it's gonna happen soon so yeah know. because i feel like the use of robot 
has been like kind of like increased because of COVID and how nobody could like get out. So they're starting like started using robots for different like human functions. So I think right, in yeah. few years they're gonna start using it for like conversation and stuff too. Yeah, so it is. So it'd be. Didn't that one guy in Japan marry a hologram of Hatsune Miku? Yes, he did. Oh no, we talked about yeah. this before too. Well. Did he divorce? Really? Her? Was there a divorce? Yes, he Wait, no way. Oh, really? I thought he just couldn't talk to her anymore. Yeah, because... I, I thought they, I thought the love was still being carried, but he's just like, oh man, I can't really use this specific software because COVID it, it okay. did the thing. Sorry. Yeah, oh, let me check like, that. It's more like his wife passing away from a sudden illness, sort of thing. So he's <gasps> like, so he's more like a widow now. You know. Oh. I'm sure the internet cut off. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, but it's nice. He was. He said that this relationship with that hologram helped him overcome a deep depression. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah that's. Hasanemiku slayed. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> slays, man, dude, she slays. And maybe I guess by that logic that Lee mentioned, maybe this robot will slay too. <laughs> it could. Well, it's a double-edged sword, as most good things are. You know. Um. It's probably good for like a therapeutic context, but in terms of like, oh man, having like this like as an actual consumer thing, I could see this spinning out of control real quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Kyoto University, um, good luck with your research. This is awesome work. I'll keep going with that. But if you yourself want your own conversational robot, hit me up. I'm manufacturing them right now in my backyard. Yep. Hired some overseas workers. They're doing all the stuff. It's pretty good. But other than that, if you're interested, I guess, in this topic, um, like not only is it like a cool technological topic, uh, it kind of branches out into a lot of like social and economic things too. Hit us up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Asian Pop Nation. You want to hear your thoughts. What a collection of song requests we played it just now on Asian Pop Nation by some of our dear listeners. Once again, thank you for your requests. We first played two song requests from our listener, Andrew. Firstly, with the song titled Elevator Girl, the English version by the Japanese band Baby Metal. And moving on from that, we then played the song titled High High, which comes from the Japanese duo Puffy. And moving on from that, we then played two song requests coming from our listener, Matthew. Firstly, with the song titled Shiny Rain, which comes from the Japanese group Switch, but actually you would spell the group's name as SW exclamation mark CH. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Awakoi Merankoriku by Bubble Bobdi Gum. Now our team tonight are going to be coming together to talk about an article which recently came out from the New York Times in which they were talking with Constance Wu. And she recently came out with New York Times to talk about some topics that she'll be discussing in her memoir, which is coming later in the year. And our team wanted to talk about the specific article and some of the comments that she's mentioned because they are actually really, really pivotal and important conversations that needs to be have about the Asian community in Hollywood at the moment. But before we cut into our group discussion, I do want to give a heads up that this episode, this specific segment that we're going to be having does discuss some really sensitive topics. And if this is not for you, of course, please go ahead and skip this episode or check out some of our other Sin podcast shows, which are available on syn.org.au. So that is syn.org.au. So, as some of you guys may know, I am a bit of a frequent internet 
person. I am on Twitter.com quite a lot, unfortunately or fortunately, depending that how you see it. That is very unfortunately. So. Yeah, that's my big flaw as a person. But I one day, you know, just scrolling around on Twitter, and I actually saw this article that was posted by the New York Times on September twenty fourth. And it was an article where they actually spoke with the iconic Asian American actress Constance Wu, and many of you guys will definitely know her as like lead actress in Crazy Rich Asians. She was also in that movie called Hustlers, as well as the comedy series Fresh Off the Boat, which we will be talking more about later. And she was speaking to New York Times because she was actually having an upcoming memoir coming up titled "Making a Scene." And what this article talks about is actually quite a lot of things. I thought it'd be really great to bring it up for our team to not only presenting to you listeners, but also for our team to talk about it together. Because I think she says some really, really important stuff that should definitely be highlighted a lot more. In this article, she gives a bit of a deep dive into her personal thoughts regarding topics such as like Asian representation in Hollywood. And primarily her time on Fresh Off the Boat and all the lasting effects that happened afterwards. So we don't actually have the article in hand with us. I am referring to the New York Times Twitter account where they did a thread taking screenshots from that article. Wait, so for for context, because I'm not too familiar with what happened as well. What was the initial, I guess, controversy with Constance Wu? Okay, so.、Uh, Essentially, what had occurred originally was this was like a few years back on her Twitter account. She posted a couple tweets and stuff expressing some disappointment in regards to the comedy show I mentioned earlier called Fresh Off the Boat、um, being renewed, and her tweets from that actually sparked like a whole bunch of backlash. And it even mentioned on the article, even from people that were the closest to her. So not even just people on the internet, like actual people around her circle was also coming at her for these tweets. And this whole thing, well, one, it did cause her to leave social media until last month, I think.、Um, and it did also cause her to.、Um, Caused her to attempt at taking her own life as well, and she also had to like spend the night in a psychiatric hospital after a friend had saved her. So that was kind of the main context in terms of like the tweets. But as I mentioned, this show, Fresh Off the Boat, it has a lot more lasting effects that was revealed during this article that many people did not know until right now. In this New York Times article, she actually alleges that on her first year being on Fresh Off the Boat, she was sexually harassed by a senior member of the production team. She even explains that Fresh Off the Boat may not have been the wonderful, joyful experience that people thought it was for her. And right after she makes these allegations about a senior member of the production team, the tweets that she made way back make a lot more sense. You know. This also, in turn, kind of caused a bit of like a ripple effect for her that she even details a bit in the article as well, because she at the time was both in Fresh of the Boat and in Crazy Rich Asians. People kind of had this vision of her as being like a pinnacle, or I guess the quote they're using is an ambassador for Asian representation in Hollywood. Right. But、yeah. in her hand, she's speaking how. 
this sort of like pedestal became a bit more detrimental to her mental health and stuff like that because even if she made like a comment that was slightly seen as negative about the Asian representation in Hollywood like she gets like this immediate backlash and her reasoning from that is because she feels as though the Asian community in Hollywood is still hyper focused on positive representation and in quotations again she says which to me is an illusion whole human representation is more complex and I think it's interesting to me how at that time when I most could have used their help they were the people who shamed me Ooh. and I think the New York Times article even mentions like how countless celebrities of color have also pointed this out where there is a tendency to hold the accomplishments within your community sacred and to not criticize the work be it a film a series a character that broke boundaries in an industry that is so resistant to change. Yeah, I guess this article really struck a chord in me because I've never seen like an Asian American actor, actress, like just any Asian existing in like the Hollywood space actually actively speak about this before. I mean, again, our show, we do always talk about like Asian representation, like we're highlighting all this new Asian music, talking about all this new Asian content that's coming and stuff like that. But her talking about this, I don't know, it kind of like shook me to the core a bit because yeah, there is a real negative side in this hyper like positivity i guess it makes it harder for these celebrities to actually talk about some of the issues that exist within the asian community in hollywood because we're trying so hard to really put ourselves in this industry that to like break in you have to break into an industry mm. that for centuries has not allowed like people of color to exist like at all in general so we're still trying to be so positive about it but at the same time, we're completely neglecting all, like, the... The human behind it all, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think because as a minority, you are so hyper-aware of all the criticisms and stereotypes levied against you. And you want to present, like, perhaps the best side of the Asian identity. We're just very, you know, we're just very insecure about our own success. We feel like it might go away very quickly, and that mm. makes us very cautious, I think, is the root of it. And that mm. is why... We are so hard on our representation. I think it's also like a bit about the strong like racism towards the Asian community. So like even if one of the main Asian representation in the Hollywood, if they do a mistake, those racist people would like point out the negative more than the positive. So it's like a bit tough for them to always be, you know, positive representation all the time. Yeah, let them mess up. We're going to mess up now and then, you know, mm. that's the human nature. Yeah, it's difficult being, like, a public figure of any sort and all. And, like, man, I can't imagine ever being, like, how do you say it? Like, informally appointed as the ambassador of Asians. Like, what? How do you do that? How do you do that to a person? Like, that seems like that's yeah. such a terrifying time. Like, you get it that it comes from a place of, yeah, you've been in one of the most, like, influential, earth-shaking content to come yeah, like, out of right. recent you history. Yeah, like, right, be grateful, you like, know? like, it makes, yeah. like, it, it comes from that place, but mm -hmm. that title is so, like, uh, it, it's no. that's so much unnecessary pressure. And, like, unfortunately, with um the way things went, the first time I read with her tweets about Fresh Off the Boat, it was like, oh, you're not grateful you were in these shows that are like the pinnacle of Asian rap and stuff like that. Yeah, and you're yeah, complaining yeah. about it. And it's like, 
yeah, that is oh, that's such a terrible, it is a terrible thing to be appointed the ambassador of an entire race. I don't think anyone <laughs> can really live up to that. One I think is that the show is generally well liked and is um, influential as being the like the Asian American show. Like I think if it had been a terrible, terrible show that everyone acknowledges is trash and all the actors were like, I'm just in it for the money, then everyone would be like, Oh my god, amazing. They're keeping it real and authentic. But because I guess the audience had the impression that Fresh Off the Boat was like this is amazing once in a lifetime opportunity. Her complaining about it was like, Hey, why why do you say that? So many Asian actors would kill to be in your position. So I guess there's two main ideas. The first is that Asians are very cautious about our own representation, and so we enforce very high expectations for our own brethren, and we are perhaps maybe the most critical people of our own representation. Um, on the other hand, I feel like people just like to tear down very specific figures, especially female celebrities. Mm-hmm. So if you sort of merge those two things together, you get the tweet storm that Constance were experienced. I feel like the, her initial sin did not justify the hate she received. Oh, but it's Twitter, man. That stuff piles up quick. Yeah, Twitter sucks, guys. Mm. Don't go on Twitter. Leisha, stop. Twitter, stop, Twitter, stop, stop going Twitter. to Twitter. It messes your brain up. Every time I go on Twitter, I feel like I have to like meditate and remember how to be human again. <laughs> oh, <know>? my goodness. <laughs> yes, terrible. I'm really glad that she, you know, after taking her break from social media and now coming back and coming up with the memoir, I'm just really glad that she still actively having this conversation about again having more nuances when it comes to representation of Asians in Hollywood because again these conversations are really important and that's why we're talking about it right now and I hope other celebrity figures or just like everyday people have more conversations about this that slowly we can reflect and have a different viewpoint about Asian representation in Hollywood because again like overly positive uh-uh, not a good thing. But unrealistic. It, yeah, very unrealistic. And as Constance Wu mentioned, whole human representation is more complex. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Now, before we progress further in our show, I did want to throw in some helplines right after our conversation that we just had on our show. So if you need support right now, you can call Beyond Blue at one 300 4636 we also have the Kids Helpline at 1-800-551-800 or Lifeline at 13 11 14. So that is 131114. And also for additional support, which is in relation to what we were talking about on our show in regards to sexual assault, you can call the National Sexual Assault Domestic and Family Violence Counseling Service at 1-800-RESPECT. So that is 1-800-737-732 or visit 1-800-RESPECT.ORG.AU. Hey there, dear listeners. You are tuning into Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. My name is Lisha, and we just played three really, really nice tracks, starting first with the song titled Telescope by Singaporean artist Oh My Mei Ting. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Daydreams, which comes from the Malaysian artist Lost Spaces. And lastly, we then played the song titled Paint, bracket reverse, which comes from the Korean artist Moa featuring OLNL. 
And this song actually comes from a new EP titled Timing Pool. So definitely give that a listen. But also, please do continue to listen in to our show as we're about to get into a nice discussion as our team are going to come in all together to talk about some shows that we've been watching. Now, these shows do involve shows such as Cyberpunk Edge Runners and Extraordinary Attorney Wu, which we have discussed more in detail in some of our past shows. Listen to our podcast if you want to hear those more in depth. But we are going to be kind of revisiting them as some of our team members have decided to watch them while we were on our break, or we just wanted to add some little bits and bobs over there. Yeah, it's just a very chill conversation where we're just going to be talking about some shows that we've been watching lately. So tune in right now. Here at APN, we like to consume media, especially Asian media. And some of that media happens to be in television or animated series form. Right now, we're going to go through some of the series that we've been watching, starting with Cyberpunk, the new series yes. from Netflix. Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, based on the not-so-hit game Cyberpunk 2077? Yes, Is that yes, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched it a while ago, and um, dude, it was good. Like, it was actually good. Like, you know how anime sucks, right? Yes, I know <laughs> all too well as a anime hater for life <laughs> yes, that's right and so i had the same mindset going into it as well i was like this is a netflix anime it's gonna be mid but then like i blasted through 10 episodes of it and by the end of it i was like i actually had to process it for a few days to realize that like damn that was a good show yeah it was really good visually it's very exciting you know this is studio trigger masters of their craft the action is top tier the character designs. I don't know how they did it, but some characters, they only appear for like two minutes, but I still remember them. It's like, they're like good friends. That's what it feels like. I don't know how they did it, but uh, very well written. It's a very compact story as well for 10 episodes. And like, you know how most shows, especially when it comes to Japan, manga and anime, they tend to go on forever and ever. This one was like, no, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, and like, it just hits like, bam 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 at the end boom finale and everyone is sad and i'm crying i think i had a trauma response i think that's what it was by the time i finished that show because like the ending is just so tragic i was like am i sad and then after processing it for three days i realized damn i'm sad um but yes i'd highly recommend that was it was a really good show didn't someone else also watch cyberpunk I'm watching Cyberpunk. I would say I only got up to like episode three, but I do agree, I guess, with the animation. Yeah, you can just tell from like the gecko. It's crazy. It's wild. Every time main character, because I don't remember people's names anymore. David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When like he uses his powers and stuff for the first time. Whoa, 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 whoa. I I, I went a bit crazy. And like when he's fighting just this random bully character or whatever whoa 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 the animation's wild like it's crazy so i do agree yeah, animation is punched a kid into a wall it was awesome it was... Not that we endorse it <laughs> not that we endorse violence <laughs> <laughs> not in real life guys i swear this is just anime anime's not real remember that but so far it is a really really fun ride i think ethan also was gonna watch it i think i watched about halfway i got to episode five or six or something like that mm. yeah it's good I don't know. I feel like it has really interesting concepts, uh, but I personally wasn't really affected with the story. Like, I wasn't really compelled to watch the next episode, I guess. Yeah, But it's good. Yeah. yeah. Good. I agree on the good part. Yeah, but that's that's me. What about everyone else? 
I, I need something to get me out of this um, cyberpunk thing. I've been on copium oh boy. for quite a few weeks. Well, something else that's really good and, and really like bright, aggressively bright, uh, Attorney Wu, the K-drama, Extraordinary Attorney Wu. I think Lee and I talked about like the first two episodes a few weeks ago. Well, I've been watching it nearly at the end. I haven't quite finished it, but I have been watching a lot of it recently. And it is just so chill and yeah. it's not chill it's just so happy and like turn your brain off and yeah. you know just plug your brain into like a brighter world i like that show everything always ends nicely it's just very neat it's such a cartoony show in some aspects like it does feel yeah. like a live action anime in some scenes with like the comedic scenes especially yeah uh, and some of the characters obviously like the one-off characters feel super cartoony all the like the villains or random like rich property mogul comes along and is like, I can't believe that I'm yeah, like, my yeah, money's yeah, worth. And they're all like super cartoony. But then it also tries to be nuanced. Like it also tries to be slightly cynical sometimes, which is kind of interesting. It's such a mash of like contrasting tones. Like there's this whole like minor storyline that runs like, what is nepotism? There's this one scene where one judge, for some reason, whenever someone talks, he asks, like, what is your ancestral background? And they're all like, ah, oh, yes, I am from the Kim family of Andong village or whatever. <laughs> and I, I don't know, that struck me as kind of satirical, which I wasn't expecting from such a cartoony show. Yeah, unexpectedly clever. I'd agree. But I, I, yeah, the boy is, like, very cute, but I don't understand him as a character. Really? How come? I feel like they copied and pasted him in from like another drama. I don't get it. Can you explain it to me? No, I actually agree, Tracy, with yeah. the male lead. I must have missed something because I don't understand. When did he start liking her? Like, why is there a romance? I don't understand. He's just like this really good guy. And that's his personality. He's just. Yeah, he's that's just a, a good he's person. A, he's a good guy. I think that's weird because all K dramas have some characters which are complete evil, unredeemable trash, and some characters which are really good, absolutely like beacon of goodness, like Yongu's dad, for example. But um, most of the characters in this drama are kind of grey. Like even Yongu herself, like she makes mistakes. She's like, "God, I knew that client was lying, but I still wanted to win the case." So it's really strange to have like a love story where like there's so far at least not a single gray cloud. It's just like it's just cute moments. It's like, oh, we need to set aside five to ten minutes just for cute like romance moments to meet our romance quota and then we move on to like the case, which is what everyone is here to watch the series for. Listen, man, personally as someone that's also been watching this show, I don't want any grayness in that romance. Just keep it pure as is. Like that's fine. Like I'm busy doing push-ups here. You don't need go too dark in there oh, that's true yeah. it it does exist in an imaginary world and yeah. i think imaginary worlds where you have just very nice uh <laughs> male romantic leads is probably a nicer world to be in has anyone else been watching anything else someone wrote decision to leave and i'm just curious decision to put to leave. that down there put that down i watched it the movie it's like above mid like, I won't say, like, I really, really like it, but it's just okay. But I gotta say, the detective is very, like, stupid. Like, how can... I don't want to spoil much, but how can he not see that someone is, like, taking advantage of it? Even I knew that that would happen. So I think it was a, a bit of stupid, even though I wasn't expecting it. But I really like the murder scene and how it turned out. I think that was really cool. The camera... I like you're spoiling things. 
I mean, they showed in the trailer that there's like a murder and stuff, but the murder scene and the crime is like really cool. Really? But, like because I guessed it, I kind of guessed what was gonna happen. So that's why I found that like Victor was a bit stupid. Maybe you're just really smart. Who knows? <laughs> no, I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm not that smart. Oh. We put down Soul Vibe. What is Soul Vibe? It's like a movie on Netflix. It's really good. I mean, I forgot the actor names that were in it. One of the main leads from Chicago typewriter is in that movie. And also Mino from Minner is in it. It's really like action and it's really cool. It has a lot of cool cars. So it's, I like that movie. We're at 12 minutes, guys. It's the police coming to knock down your door. We're going to end the segment. But yeah, that, that's what we've been watching so far. Um, if you want to share what you've been watching, contact us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we will send you an emoji. Hey, hey everybody. You are listening to Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. It's me, Alicia, and I'm back to give you a little bit of a knowledge boost moment of all of these songs that we played just now on our show. So let's get it on the roll. What was I saying there just now? Let's not dissect that sentence I just said, but let's get into these songs though. Firstly, starting with the song titled Temuga by MC Meta, Tiger JK, and Noxtal. And moving along from that, we then played another track, this time called 25, which comes from the Korean artist Console, featuring Jae Una. And this song actually comes from Console's new EP titled Aura. And lastly from that, we then played another Korean hip-hop track, this time coming from Unofficial Boy and Jazzy Moon, featuring Young B, with their song titled Khalifa. Now, maybe all of these songs that we played just now, which all involve collaborations, makes sense for some of our listeners like these are Korean artists collaborating with other Korean artists who are around the hip-hop space so these collaborations make sense now we're going to be talking about a certain collaboration that for some of our team members here at APN doesn't exactly make so much sense it is not in the Korean music realm but rather a collaboration between Pokemon and Ed Sheeran. Now, that sentence definitely sounds like a bit of a fever dream, but do not worry, dear listeners. I will definitely bring you up to speed as to what's going on by bringing in our conversations right now with the APN team, in which we're discussing this very interesting collaboration further. So let's go. Um, Once upon a time, I was taking the train home with a bunch of friends and they were all playing Pokemon Go. And they were all like, oh, these are my favorite Pokemon. Yay. It's like, cool, I'll show you this Pokemon. And they were explaining me to me the entire lore. And I have no clue what any of them said to me, which is why I am introducing our last discussion for tonight. Um, as any big diehard Pokemon fan like me knows, um, on, in August in the UK, there was the Pokemon World Championships. Um, and every... Tr- one of the trainer came to this championship as did Ed Sheeran <laughs> because can you guess that our favorite redhead I don't know who I'm sure other people have our favorite favorites, Asian but on Asian <laughs> our favorite Asian redhead <laughs> our favorite Asian a redhead who likes Asian things um <laughs> welcome fans through this video greeting to commemorate the event and it went even further just how much he loves Pokemon um, and made a song called Celestial and a music video. 
which is now on the internet for the world to see. If you haven't seen it already, here's a bit of a rundown. Um, Ed Sheeran. Imagine if you haven't seen Ed Sheeran, um, redhead in a hoodie, <laughs> wakes up and wakes up by Pikachu zapping him. I, I know Pikachu at least. That's that's the very base level of what I know about Pokemon. And then Ed Sheeran's cooking breakfast with his Pokemon and eating um, food. Just it's just not the Pokemon's. They're okay. Then he goes on a walk with his Pokemon, which includes crossing a river, riding a giant water Pokemon, jumping in a field, all we want to do with our favorite Pokemon, uh, recording music while his Pokemon dance around him. And then there's a final scene where Ed Sheeran and his Pokemon fight Mewtwo. I've also seen Detective Pikachu, so that's probably the other side of my knowledge. And then he wakes up. Oh, and was it all a dream? Who knows? Thoughts? <laughs> Does this get MTV Music Award Video Awards? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Before we start, I just want to say Zenya's whole like <laughs> everything about the Scarlet Pokemon is just so funny because this is literally if I was talking to the segment, this would be exactly what I say because I too only know Pokemon based on that one time I watched Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Why did we watch this movie without any? Exactly, we have no attachment. We have no nostalgia (laughs) for this game. We just have Ryan Reynolds in Pikachu. Ha ha, let's tune in. But yes, I I do actually want to hear from the um, Pokemon fans of this uh, virtual studio here. Yeah, how Lee said it. (laughs) About their thoughts about this collaboration. Very unexpected. I don't really think of Pokemon when I think of Ed Sheeran, and I rarely think of either. So I just imagine Ed Sheeran being like a massive nerd. Like he buys a lot of Lego. Oh, he does and... seem like one. Yeah. 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 I guess it. I guess it fits. It fits in a way. Like there's a. Like I can't imagine. <laughs> Can you imagine any other artist writing a song about Pokemon? Yeah. Like Western literally artists? any sort of more internet-y, like more, maybe more, less mainstream artists, but I don't know, like Carrie Benito or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, that yeah, that would fit. Yeah. Like literally, literally any other artist which is like marginally like more online and less like supermarket than Ed Sheeran would fit this. Mm. It's you know, so was, weird to me. I was gonna um. For an artist that doesn't fit, I was gonna suggest Snoop Dogg, but in a roundabout way. <laughs> but then of, he's got all the menu yeah. lock. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he t- guys everywhere, so maybe that doesn't work. Hmm. No, Snoop Dogg would fit because he's just so bizarre, but Ed Sheeran is, yeah, this song is just so bland. It's so weird. You'd expect like it to be like, imagine if it was like some fun, wacky song that was absolutely crazy, but it's not. It's just like. It's pretty normal. It's like a normal it sounds song. like the background of an insurance commercial, you know? <laughs> According to his article, he uh, elaborated on his long-lasting love for Pokemon in a separate statement. And essentially, it's just him saying, like, oh, I've played, like, Pokemon since I was, like, in primary school. He and his brother had different versions of the game, traded Pokemon. And then, yeah. And then, even though I'm 31 now, I still own the same Game Boy Color and play Pokemon Yellow or Silver on planes and trains when I'm on tour. And he apparently, to celebrate the collaboration, he got a tattoo of Squirtle on his arm. Whoa. Wow. So he's a, he's like a secret fan or something like that. I don't know. Like, I, hear, I hear um the animators, they actually took this into account. And when they animated that final scene and with the fight against Mewtwo, they, they put Squirtle front, back and center for one shot and animated him really well. Like they went all out with the budget, like, whoa, shit, he shoots water and stuff. I don't know, play Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, that's kind of sweet. It's a sweet. I, for one, think it's cool that, like, he can... He has so much nostalgia for the game um, and that he can make a song like this. I wonder when someone's going to do one on Fortnite. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Maybe in the um, when uh, Who's going to do the collab, guys? Who's going to do the collab? It'll be the person the who made that Chug Jug song. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're going to blow up. Yeah, that's for sure. Wait, this the next oh. big song, then. One for the new Mario movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then we'll get like a Mario collab with Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. How does everything come back to Fortnite again? <laughs> like that early show, all things return to Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah, Fortnite is the center of the universe. True, it's the center of the bagel. You know exactly. Yeah, that's what Joe Tubaki was scared of this whole time. It was the battle bus. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Words of truth. Of all the universes they showed us, there was one they didn't dare. They didn't dare touch it because they were too scared. That's <laughs> great. It's just the oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Y'all Michelle, you're sick. a bus driver. Oh, my. You guys are making me sick to my stomach. What is this? The two and sharing a Pokemon. Where have we gone? Why is Fortnite back? We only just started season four. We can't bring Fortnite so quickly. <laughs> Season four and that. <laughs> oh, oh, we, we can't succumb to it so easily. Yeah. At this rate, I think we should just want to crash the bus. <laughs> no one's getting out of here alive. Then you get us out of here. Um, <laughs> we're all abandoning bus. Um, but before we do, yeah, <laughs> but before we do. Just, you know, hit us up. What did you think about Ed Sheeran's song? What do you want him to sing about next? What's your other Asian franchise that you've always wanted a song done by a hit pop singer? Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We probably should start a Twitch from the amount of time we mentioned. Yeah, start a Twitch. Oh my god. Um, I was ready to be like, let's talk about the animation in this video, guys. You know, oh, yeah. um, I think the animation is surprisingly excellent, actually. It looks good. I yeah. agree. Yeah, Tracy, when are you supposed to talk about the game? I don't know. Yeah, I was supposed to talk about like what a Pokemon video game championship is, you know. But we got sidetracked in a big way. <laughs> Gotta know our demographic, Tracy. They want to know about Fortnite. <laughs> Greetings to everyone who is listening to us right here, right now on Asian Pop Nation, whether live on air or on our podcast. It's Lisha here, the executive producer of APN, who is here to fill you in on all of the songs that you heard just now. We firstly played the song titled Drunkard AQ, which comes from the Taiwanese artist Wu Ching Fun featuring Stephanie Sun. And this does come from his new LP titled Malarmi's Tuesday. So definitely give that LP a listen. And moving along from that, we then played another track to come out of a Taiwanese artist, but instead she is a Taiwanese Australian artist. Yes, sir. We definitely played the song titled Late Night Cruising by Julia Wu. And lastly, lastly, moving on from that, we then played the song titled Oh Mess, which comes from the Korean male solo artist, Cot. 
Now, whether you were tuning in throughout the entire episode, or you were just tuning in here or there, or maybe you're tuning into our show right now, where unfortunately, I'm so sorry to let you know that we've reached the end of our show, you definitely, one way or the other, would have heard a little bit about the topics that our team have discussed very thoroughly here on our show tonight, starting first with a bit of a album review into Sugi's 28 Reasons album, Give That Album a listen and do let us know if you agree or disagree with some of our thoughts but then moving on from that we also had some really interesting discussions in regards to a unexpected collaboration between pokemon and ed sheeran and also an interesting invention in regards to a robot that actually responds to your laugh with another laugh or more or less they just respond to any comment you make with a laugh it's a very interesting dystopian technology type of thing that you'll definitely need to listen back on our show to find out what exactly we mean and of course we also had some really really pivotal discussions in regards to Constance Wu and some of her comments in regards to the Asian community in Hollywood or just in general the current way that Asian representation is like in Hollywood. So yeah, we definitely had a big dose of topics here on our show, but either way, no matter which part of our show you tune in into, we do want to say thank you so much for listening to our show and for joining not just myself, but our team tonight of Xenia, Tracy, Lee, JB, Ethan, and Alishpa. And right before we say our farewells, we of course have a couple of songs that we want you guys to listen as a nice finish off at the end of this episode so right now we're gonna be playing the korean song titled yes i'm so happy by paper rain remember you can always tune into asian pop nation every tuesday from 8 p.m onwards right here on sin and for bonus content you can always follow us at asian pop nation on facebook twitter and instagram and of course listen to our asian pop nation podcast which is available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcast good night everybody and really random note if you're listening to our show right now i did not know that we can use the tagline apn at 8 p.m mind blown anyways good night everyone take care Thank you.